towards it. In Lord's Day 28 of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's on page 542 of the Book of Praise if you'd like to, to read along. It's what we believe about our union with Christ as it's signified and sealed to us in the Lord's Supper. Here the church confesses, how does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. With this command, he gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to eternal life with his crucified body and shed blood. <clears throat> what does it mean? to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his shed blood. First, to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and the death of Christ and so receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Second, to be united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, Yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones, and we forever live and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. Where has Christ promised that he will nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus in the night when he was betrayed took bread when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26. This promise is repeated by Paul where he says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17. beloved church of our Lord Jesus Christ in John 6 we see that there was a feeding 5,000 there was many people who were hungry have you ever been really hungry uh, in your life if you just miss just a few meals in a row sometimes that happens if you go traveling something all of a sudden your desire to have something to eat it, it takes over your life if you're starving, it's a, it's a horrible thing. It's a terrible way to suffer. It makes it impossible to sleep. It takes away all your joy. It's all you can think about. But it's the same thing in other areas of our life too. And we see the parallel 
the Lord Jesus makes in John 6 between physical food and the spiritual food that he offers. But in other areas of our life, we can be hungry for something. We can be craving uh, something. Maybe it's love and attention. Or maybe it's that great health that seems to just be out of reach. Or perhaps it's a comfortable life, however you may define that. Or whatever you may be desiring when you're really hungry for it. It's something that begins to take over your life. You can't think of, of anything else except for what you don't have. When I'm hungry for something, I'll seek to satisfy that craving so that I can once again experience peace and contentment, that peace that God actually created for us to experience in our souls. And that's the big question about life, isn't it? Where can we find that peace? What is it that we're all hungering for? It's the big question for all, for all people. That is why we see so many religions and so much human activism, social activism. Where can we find satisfaction for our hungry souls? How about we as Christians? What's our, our answer? Sometimes we need to look at that too. Is it that we just need to live in a more godly way? Have the Bible app on your phone and just read it more? Do more good works? Pray? Read the Bible more? In, answer, in verse 29, to answer the question of the Jews, John 6 verse 29 that is, Jesus revealed that we cannot get to heaven by our own works. We must simply believe that he came down to earth, that he is the one who is gathering his church, and he is the one that can make you happy forever in the arms of your Savior and your God. That famous saying by a theologian, a well-known theologian in the 400s, Augustine, Augustine, he wrote, you have made us for yourself, Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under the following theme. Everyone who submits to Christ, the bread of life, will be eternally satisfied. We'll see that it's because he came down from heaven, he gathers his own, and he brings us to heaven. So John 6 is in focus this afternoon, and we can see then in verse 30 that the crowd that followed Jesus all the way to Capernaum, they asked for a sign, a sign that would prove to them that they should believe in Jesus Christ. In their thinking, if Jesus took the place of Moses and the law, he must do something greater than that which Moses did. You can see that in verse 30. They talked about what, what Moses had done. Maybe he could satisfy their hunger like Moses did, they said in verse 31, when he gave them bread from heaven to eat. The crowd is reminding Jesus of their history as you can read about it in Exodus 16. After many days of traveling in the desert, the people came to the point of starvation. That was in the Old Testament. We sang about that in Psalm 78 as well. And it was an urgent situation. But then in his grace, God sent a miraculous food which appeared on the ground with the dew in the morning. It was manna. 
This manna came as thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And it was white like coriander seed. It looked like resin. It tasted like wafers made with honey. And the people went around and they gathered it and then they ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into cakes and it tasted like something made with olive oil. The Psalms call this manna grain of heaven. We sang that in Psalm 78. Maybe you noticed that. The the bread of angels. And so the Israelites surrounding Jesus, they tell him, they tell him, wouldn't it be convincing, and for them quite convenient, if Jesus would give them some of this bread from heaven, it would prove to them who he was. They would know that he was greater than Moses. They would believe in him, and they would also have another meal. And then Jesus responds to their question in, a, in something in a way that's very important for us today. It's in verses 32 and verses, verse 32 and verse 33. He said, truly, truly, I say to you. And then the first thing he says, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the bread And then he says, it's the second place you notice that he calls the bread that came from the Father true bread. For the bread of God, verse 33 says, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life. And then he explains not life just to the Jews, but he gives life to the world. And the people notice that Jesus didn't say the Father gave you the true bread from heaven and that the Father Uh, gave life to the world, but they use the present. He says, the Father gives. He's giving you bread. He's giving you true life right in that moment. And that's why they right away said, sir, give us this bread always. They wanted to have that bread right away. They wanted to have some of this manna, this this morning uh, with the morning dew. And then we all know what Jesus told them. Here they said, give us some of this bread. We want to be satisfied. We want to see the power of God in our lives. And then he says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then we see the importance of the sacrament of Lord's Supper how it's a sign and a seal. It's not enough just to eat the bread and and drink the wine, but we need to believe in Jesus Christ. The sacrament of Lord's Supper is about going to Jesus Christ, believing that he is your savior. And he explains more, the Lord Jesus explains more, and you can see several parallels in this comparison between the manna that was sent to Israel in the desert and Jesus who came down to the sinful world. First, we notice that like the manna, Jesus said he came down from heaven, that he came from God. Jesus Christ reveals that he who has seen God, verse 46, he who has in the glory of heaven with the Father. He left all this to go down to our world to save all who believe in him. He came as an expression of great amazing love for the creatures that God had made. 
And second, we can see that like the manna, Jesus was sent from heaven to a fallen world, to a world that was hungry and dying, a world that, that needed help. Like the Israelites in the desert who had no other source of food, so also Jesus Christ is the only one who can give us life, who can give us peace with God. Although we may try to seek to satisfy this hunger we have for, for more, for peace, and we try to find that maybe in a, in a good job, or maybe in what we picture as a comfortable life, or maybe even in good relationships, the Lord Jesus teaches us that, that there is no true and lasting peace outside of him. He is God's answer for our need. Not even the man in the desert would be enough for although it filled the bellies of the hungry people in the desert, it was a temporary satisfaction that came day by day. And then Jesus even says in verse 49 and then again in verse 58 that eventually our forefathers died. Jesus is different than the manna in that way. The third parallel between the manna and Jesus is that just as it was necessary to eat the manna in order to, to be fed, so also we today must receive Jesus Christ in true faith as the heavenly bread. We need to believe in him if we want him to be of any help to us. You, you, you know that children, even the children understand that it's not enough just to have bread on your plate in front of you. It won't fill your stomach if you don't also eat it. That's why your parents say, eat your food, eat your food, eat your food. They want you to, to have it as a part of who you are. And so the Lord Jesus makes it very clear that just as we receive the manna, as soon as we need to eat the manna, also we need to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, to believe in him. And the promise that accompanies the Lord's Supper is that as surely as we participate in the bread and the wine of Lord's Supper, we also will be nourished and refreshed by the Lord Jesus Christ's body and blood. We receive the bread of heaven. We make it a part of who we are. We receive Jesus Christ when we eat the bread and we drink the wine of Lord's Supper sacrament. The other confessions explain that faith is like the hand that receives the bread and wine from the hand of the minister. Faith is like the mouth of our soul. If you want to read that expression, you can look at the Belgic Confession, Article 35. Faith is like the mouth of our souls that eats and drinks the bread and the wine, that participates in Jesus Christ. This faith is a gift of God. And our text really highlights this as well when it shows the disbelief and the grumbling of the Jews. They understood very well that Jesus was telling them that he came from God to give life to the world that is seeking peace. But they knew too much about him to believe. They knew him as a man. They knew his dad. They knew his mom. They knew him as just one of them, an ordinary baby from a couple they knew. And yet... Could it be that he seriously expected them to believe that he had come down from heaven? 
Imagine how hard it would have been for them to receive the words of our Lord Jesus. Maybe it would have been harder for them in that day than for us today who, who cannot see the Lord Jesus in his humility and in his human flesh. And yet, when we come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, isn't that exactly what we are remembering? His body, his blood, how he had come down to earth to die on a cross for our sins. And Jesus tells the church, stop grumbling. Stop grumbling and believe. Jesus not, is not announced here in, in an attempt to try deal with every scientific question that comes. He says, believe in me. I am the bread of life. When we express this faith, when we come to him, when we are welcomed by him to participate in the Lord's Supper. Christ, the bread of life, welcomes his own. Jesus exhorts his people very clearly in our text. In verse 35, verse 37, verse 44, he says, Come to me. Leave your kingdoms. Leave your plans. And join the kingdom of God. By following the great and eternal King, Jesus Christ. Come to me. That may be discouraging for us to hear. For we know how often we resist God's grace. But then Jesus' explanation gives a wonderful comfort. He says in John 6, verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And you can see the same expression again in verse 65. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. When God calls us to come, he also draws us to himself in the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ. When we are commanded that's what we confess. We are commanded to eat the bread and drink the wine to participate in the Lord's Supper. The Lord also ensures us that he is the one who has opened up the way for us so that he might draw us to himself. And that word translated draw, it's a, a verb that means uh, pulling some heavy, inanimate object or person that cannot do anything for itself. God brings the sinner to Christ just as Peter drew his sword that he had brought when he met the, the soldiers in the garden. Or just like the disciple pulling the heavy net full of fish, he drew that net in. God works in our hearts with this invincible grace to pull us to Christ. He draws all his own to himself. And we see the result of that when we gather together and celebrate our fellowship with Christ. Jesus teaches us in John 6 verse 45 that God himself works in our hearts as we listen and learn from God's word. He says, everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. And in the Lord's Supper, we may celebrate how God brings together his own. How he continues to unite us more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. That's the words that we use in the catechism. 
we are united more and more to Christ's sacred body. And God uses his divine word to draw men to himself through his church. When we hear this word, when we hear the, the good news being offered to us to come and receive all that Jesus Christ has given to us, and we repent of our sins and, and we embrace our Lord Jesus Christ as the glory and the light, the answer to all our hunger, then we will walk toward our Savior without any fear. And then we can look at verses 37 and 38. Beautiful words. What our Lord Jesus said, the king of the universe, he said that it was God's will to save those whom God had given to him. God's will. In the Lord's Supper, we celebrate our union with the very same Lord who knew our name when he gave himself for us and died for us on the cross. He knows us as his dearly beloved brothers. The same Lord promises that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. He tells us that he will not drive away anyone who comes to him in humility and in repentance to seek spiritual nourishment in him, in his body. The Lord's arms are open to receive, to comfort, to nourish those who seek their rest and their peace and the forgiveness of all their sins in Jesus Christ in this new life in the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus promises very clear, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's why we want to receive the signs and the seals of his body and blood. We hear his call. We go eager to crave, that, 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 to, to satisfy the craving, that hunger that we feel. And then when we do that, the Lord gives us a beautiful guarantee. He promises to take his own to heaven. It's wonderful to see how clearly the Lord Jesus preaches the gospel of God's grace, even to people who were resisting him. It's very clear, brothers and sisters, the creator the one who made the heavens and the earth. He wants to see you saved. He wants to see you enjoying all that he has made for you to enjoy. God the Father sent his son, his only son, to gather those who were chosen before the foundation of the world. The great judge, Jesus Christ, promises not to reject any of those whom God has chosen, neither you nor I sinners that we are. Finally, Jesus promises that the one who goes to him, the one who realizes his need and his hunger, confesses this before the Lord, who believes that Jesus Christ is the bread of life, will never have to return to the slavery of sin. Jesus says in verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose None of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. The evidence, the mark of true conversion is that perseverance. The perseverance of the saints is part of God's will for his people. 
And we celebrate this promise joyfully in the signs and the seals of the Lord's Supper celebration when we receive regular and repeated confirmation of who we are in Jesus Christ and how we share in his sacrifice and his perfect work as we are eternally satisfied in him. What a blessing it is to be able to regularly confirm our commitment to Jesus Christ as our only Savior, to receive from his hands the abundant blessings, the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins, the assurance of eternal life. That's the real focus of the Lord's Supper that is so clearly emphasized in Lord's Day 28. Our eyes look to the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And then four times in John 6, the passage we read, Jesus said, I will raise him up on the last day. I will raise him up on the last day. That's the promise. Promise for those who go to Jesus Christ, who love him, who follow him in faith and in hope, who desire to, to have that fellowship, that union with him that's symbolized, sealed to us in the Lord's Supper. Already in this life, they will experience the blessing of having the bread of life, Jesus Christ, the same who came down, so that all may eat him and not die, he says in verse 50, and then in verse 51, and live forever. He will not lose any of those that God had given to him. We say when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we will drink the wine new with him in the kingdom of his Father. Jesus Christ is the guarantee of eternal life. His words are authoritative. He says in verse 47, I tell you the truth. He that believes in me has everlasting life. That's why we're so joyful when we celebrate the, the Lord's Supper, our fellowship with Jesus Christ. The guarantee of eternal life in him. And then we realize that we talk about the perseverance of the saints, those who believe in Jesus Christ, because we know of the preservation of the saints. God preserves his own. He continually feeds us and nourishes us with the bread of life. Everyone who understands these words of Jesus also can know that we don't need to spend our life dissatisfied, discontent, always desiring what is outside of our reach, all the temporary things of this world. We don't need to spend our life running after that which never can satisfy. We can, rather, we can start living in peace, contentment, because of all that we already have in Jesus Christ that is signified and sealed to us in the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper. That calm of knowing that we are rich in Jesus Christ. He says he is the bread of life. And if we believe that, he says, you have eternal life. Do you show that, brothers and sisters, in the way you live your life? Your priorities show that, that you're not just running after temporary satisfaction, but you know 
the source of true and eternal satisfaction. It's good to think about our lives that way. What kind of priorities do other people see in our lives? What does that say about what we believe, about what Jesus said, that he is the bread of life? As ambassador of Jesus Christ, I can declare to you that every person who is a part of the body of Christ, which is his church, will be resurrected with Christ on the last day to be with him in heaven. He has told us, I will raise you up on the last day. And brothers and sisters, let us live with this assurance, with this confidence, with this joy, with this certainty. For the restless, searching soul can find rest in Jesus Christ. And the Lord wants you to celebrate this peace that Christ obtained with his blood. We love him as our Savior. But we don't love him as much as the bread of life loves us. For he came down to earth to redeem us even when we sinned against him. What a privilege it is to be able to remember his love, celebrate our fellowship with him, and to go each day, live our lives as we go from here, remembering what our Lord said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And then in verse 51, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Amen.